This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life comes with a lot of decisions, and sometimes it's hard to know which path is right. Therapy gives you a place to map out your options so you can trust your choices and get excited about the future. Visit betterhelp.com super to give it a try. Was James Potter a good guy? Hey, brother! As somebody who's been inside of the Harry Potter community for quite a long time at this point, I have to say it's still not entirely clear whether or not James Potter is somebody who's supposed to be remembered fondly or not. On the one hand, every adult that we meet swears up and down that he was just a phenomenally great person. He was the life of the party, highly talented, super noble, like an almost infallible father and husband. And yet, it's also a classic example of show versus tell. Like, sure, everyone says he was an excellent person, but then when we actually go back in time through Snape's memory, he definitely comes across as like an arrogant bully who's bullying Snape for seemingly no reason. What's he done to you? Well, said James, appearing to deliberate the point, it's more the fact that he exists, if you know what I mean. For context, of course, that is Lily asking James what his problem is with Snape, and at this point in their fifth year, it doesn't even seem like she likes James at all. You think you're funny, she said coldly, but you're just an arrogant, bullying toe rag, Potter. And this entire scene between James and Snape inside of their fifth year seems like the primary hurdle that Snape and the rest of the fandom can't quite get over. This is something that today we will attempt to unwind and determine whether or not this positive reminiscence over James Potter is in fact warranted or if he wasn't much more like a Draco Malfoy of his time at Hogwarts. So today we will aim to answer the question, is James Potter good? Okay, so again, the crux of this argument really finds itself at the relationship between James and Snape in particular. Within this particular debate, Snape has a rather distinct advantage, which is the fact that we spend way, way, way more time with him. And out of anybody inside of the series, Snape himself probably has the best overall redemption arc in terms of where he starts to where he ultimately gets. Snape's role in the saga is the pivot around which the rest of the story well, pivots. Like, the grand reveal in Deathly Hallows is that Snape is the one who has put his own life at risk for basically Harry's entire life in the name of playing double agent on behalf of Dumbledore. Snape also rather unwillingly, I might add, stands in to kill Dumbledore instead of Draco, both in the name of protecting Draco's soul and also to solidify his own position with Voldemort. All of which I may add, he's doing on Dumbledore's own orders. You must be the one to kill me, Severus. Snape is also the one to send Harry the Doe Patronus, which leads him directly to the Sword of Gryffindor, which is the key to how he is supposed to defeat all the Horcruxes. And in the end, Snape himself loses his own life inside of this overall battle, but his last action in life is to provide Harry with the final piece of the puzzle that he needs to ultimately defeat Voldemort. And it's those memories that actually show Harry what James was like in life, in particular towards Snape. This is the reason why Snape has resented him so fiercely all along, but Harry also discovers inside of these memories that it was love towards his mother that motivated his ultimate betrayal towards Voldemort. The point being that like Snape is playing a huge role in how everything ultimately turns out. And with all of that in mind, it's just very difficult to look at Snape's memory and think to yourself, 
Boy, that James Potter sure was an okay lad. The problem, if you're James though, is that he has the distinct disadvantage of starting this entire story Dad. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, that's actually a typo. No, no, it's dead. And while you start the story hearing almost nothing but exclusively good things about James Potter, the only real glimpse we get into what his life was actually like is through the eyes of the person who hated him the most, and that ultimately doesn't look very good. You're just like your father. Lazy. In fact, even though Harry and James share a lot in common in terms of appearance, when James arrives at school, it's much easier to compare him to someone like Draco. James is the beloved, spoiled, only child of wealthy, pure-blood parents, and has all the faith in the world that he is destined to glory inside of the same house as his own father. Where are you heading if you've got the choice? James lifted an invisible sword. Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart? Like my dad. You can even very clearly see how the time James has at school is very similar to what Draco's life might have been like if Draco wasn't, you know, always competing with Harry for attention. Because on some level, in Draco's defense, like, he is good at magic. He is good at Quidditch. He becomes a prefect. And based on his ability to spread propaganda about Harry in particular, it's fairly popular. This reminds me a lot of how James seems to be seen by his fellow classmates, or at least according to Lupin, who says, Look, Harry, what you've got to understand is that your father and Sirius were the best in the school at whatever they did. Everyone thought they were the height of cool, if they sometimes got a bit carried away. And we, of course, also know that James was great at Quidditch. What if I make a fool of myself? You won't make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. James certainly isn't perfect, but he also does eventually become head boy. Now your mom and dad were as good a witch and wizard as I ever knew. Head boy and girl at Hogwarts in their day. And again, as long as we're comparing to Draco, James wasn't necessarily mean to everyone, but he certainly was directed at Snape in particular. But it is worth pointing out that at least according to Lupin, this was a fairly two-way street. Snape was a special case. I mean, he never lost an opportunity to curse James, so you really couldn't expect James to take that line down, could you? Certainly shades of nuance aside, like that portion of it definitely reminds me of the relationship between Harry and Draco. Like those two are constantly taking shots at each other throughout their entire school education. Draco makes the Potter Stinks pins during Harry's time as Triwizard Champion, but Harry doesn't not hit Draco with the Sectum Sempra spell in the duel in the bathroom. But while there are a lot of parallels between James and Draco, it's not like James doesn't also have a lot going for him as well. Like all we're ever seeing is James through Snape's memories, which are going to be skewed on some level. But there are a lot of things that we know to be true about James outside of his own best friends vouching for him. For one, while James does pick on Snape, it's a very personal feud between the two. But it's not like he discriminates against the other students simply for being different. Case in point, one of his best friends is quite literally a werewolf. Which not only does James accept, he also embraces and goes to extraordinary lengths to lessen the transformations that Lupin goes through by becoming an animagus. And it's not even just Lupin in this particular case, it's his other two best friends too. I mean, just take Sirius for example. He comes from a long line of Slytherins, which from James's own admission, he would have seen as a red flag to begin with. My whole family have been in Slytherin, he said. Blimey, said James, and I thought you seemed all right. Sirius grinned. Official petition for all of us to say blimey more, you know? Underused word. 
But obviously the entire black family heritage and like their pure blooded beliefs doesn't stop James from still being friends with Sirius. In fact, it's James's friendship with Sirius that helps Sirius cope with being so different from the rest of his family. I used to be there. My sweet old mother blasted me off after I ran away from home. Creature's quite fond of muttering the story under his breath. You ran away from home? When I was about 16, said Sirius, I had had enough. Where did you go? Asked Harry, staring at him. Your dad's place. Your grandparents were really good about it. They sort of adopted me as a second son. And then there's, of course, also Peter, the, you know, somewhat bumbling boy inside of their year who's possibly, you know, less talented and as cool as the rest of the group, but still welcomed in and truly one of their best friends. And they're not just like letting Peter tag along either. James literally entrusts Peter as the secret keeper for the safety of his own life and his family's. And if you really want to think about it, not just himself and his family's, but also like the rest of the entire world. James trusts Peter with the fate of the rest of the world. <laughs> Turns out he's not the world's greatest judge of character, but an amazing friend. But on that exact note, we also know that James is a member of the Order of the Phoenix and directly opposing Voldemort's reign. And that during that particular time frame, he was able to successfully defy Voldemort no fewer than three different times. I will say, whatever these three instances are, are like the primary reason I would ever want like a Marauder specific series because we don't know anything about what actually happened in those instances, but we do know that it was like a key element of the prophecy. But here's where the trail goes a little bit cold. James and Lily are only 21 years at the time of their death, and at that point in time, they've been living under the Fidelius charm and in isolation for at least 15 months. This means that there's precious little to actually know about James Potter and what he would have done with his life because he would have graduated Hogwarts at age 17 and essentially gone into hiding by age 20. And guys, we need to take a brief pause right there to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are obviously working towards the end of the year, and that can always be exciting because of all the upcoming joy and togetherness. But the hustle and bustle of the holiday season can always be a little bit taxing on the other end as well. Whether it's the shorter days, cooler weather, or stay with me now, scheduled plans. Gosh, on that note, is there anything better than just canceled plans? The point is, this time of year certainly can be a lot, and it's completely normal to be feeling sensations of anxiety. But that's where having therapy in my life can be a total game changer for me. Like I've personally been going to therapy regularly since mid 2020, and it's been one of the most invaluable experiences in my life. And even I can sometimes think it'll sound a little cliche to say things like it's important to set proper boundaries. And sometimes it's simply okay to say no if you need to. But those are both highly valuable skills that you too can pick up inside of therapy. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, be sure to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible to your schedule. So find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp by heading on over to betterhelp.com super to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash super for 10% off. Link is in the description down below. So here is where I think it is important to try to pull the whole narrative together and into place. Because like we said from the very beginning, Snape has the distinct advantage of simply living much longer and being able to use that time to redeem himself at least a bit. Even Sirius can be a good example of this exact same phenomenon. Like he's probably just as guilty as James for doing the same things inside of high school, but nobody seems to really hold it against him in the same way because we get to see a lot more about what Sirius ultimately stands for as an adult. So with that being said, if we were to stop the story at the time of James's death, then I think the perspective shift is 
fairly dramatic. Because at that point in time, you would have a Snape, who at least according to Sirius, knew more curses when he arrived at school than half the kids in seventh year. He was a part of a gang of Slytherins who nearly all turned out to be Death Eaters. And you might be thinking like, well, to be fair though, Sirius's perspective on Snape is probably fairly biased, but I don't actually think so. Because if we go inside of Snape's own memory, we get a pretty similar sentiment from Lily. I don't like some of the people you're hanging around with. I'm sorry, but I detest Avery and Mulciver. Mulciver, what do you see in him, Sev? He's creepy. Do you know what he tried to do to Mary McDonald the other day? Lily reached a pillar and leaned against it, looking up into the thin, sallow face. That was nothing, said Snape. It was a laugh, that's all. It was dark magic, and if you think that's funny. And the same is also kind of true if you go back to that infamous scene in their year five at the lake where James and Snape are kind of taking shots at each other. But too late. Snape had directed his wand straight at James. There was a flash of light and a gash appeared on the side of James's face, splattering his robes with blood. Now, granted, everyone inside of the situation is in the wrong, and to be fair, James seemed to have started the fight in the first place. But while all of James's spells are mean-spirited for sure, they're overall fairly harmless physically, even if Snape never gets over them emotionally. Snape, on the other hand, goes straight to dark magic. Always. Dark magic that, might I add, he himself invented. Snape himself even refers to it as dark magic after Harry unknowingly uses the spell on Draco. Apparently I underestimated you, Potter, he said quietly. Who would have thought you knew such dark magic? So ultimately the argument that you're attempting to assemble here is whether or not we're looking at James bullying a high school misfit, or if it's like a juvenile version of the greater war that is happening between the forces of good and evil. And I think at this point we've been able to prove at least on some level that James doesn't just like specifically dislike people who are different in some way. And on that note, Snape's allegiance to Voldemort is not the direct result of James's bullying of him. Snape came to school with a predetermined fascination with the dark arts, even going as far as creating his own spells. If anything, Snape actually continued to pursue this particular interest, even though the girl he was in love with directly opposed it. And from there, we have their time after school. James quite literally goes to fight on behalf of the Order of the Phoenix, and loses his life in the process. While Snape, on the other hand, is actively and very much by choice a Death Eater. Upon overhearing the prophecy, he immediately takes the information to Voldemort himself. Hide her. Hide them all. I beg you. And the only reason that he even goes to Dumbledore and insists that the Potters be hidden in the first place, which of course Dumbledore has just simply already done because he too heard the prophecy, is because Snape himself has discovered that Voldemort believes the subject of the prophecy to be Lily Potter's son. And even then, Snape's only goal is to protect Lily, not James and Harry. You know what I mean? He thinks it means her son. He is going to hunt her down, kill them all. If she means so much to you, said Dumbledore, surely Lord Voldemort will spare her. Could you not ask for mercy for the mother in exchange for the son? I have. I have asked him. That line right there is Snape's worst moment. So was James mean to Snape at school? 
Yes, there's no arguing that at all. But overwhelmingly, I feel as though he led a life of friendship and offered acceptance and safe haven to those who needed it the most. So I would personally argue that James doesn't get a terrific redemption arc, maybe because he just never really needed one in the first place. Sirius himself says it best. Your father was the best friend I ever had, and he was a good person. A lot of people are idiots at the age of 15. He grew out of it. As someone who was personally once 15 years old, amen, Sirius. Amen. Well, there you go, guys, for my question of the day. What do you think? Where do you land on James Potter? Be sure to let us know in the towel section down below, but otherwise, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you'd like to check out our brand new podcast, Through the Gryffindor, we have a whole separate channel for it. You can do so right over here. We're doing a chapter-by-chapter -chapter breakdown of each of the Harry Potter books. It has been so much fun. I hope that you enjoy it. Otherwise, until next time, bye!